you find your own way All you gotta do is just Everyone, this podcast is brought to you by Showgirls Closet. Ramon Galindo, everybody, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Welcome to the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast. I'm so excited to have you as a guest because your career is very extensive and you got to work with some of the greats in musical theater. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm honored, actually. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. Are you kidding? So everyone, I work with Ramon in New York City. And sometimes you forget when you see somebody every day, you forget that they were a star on Broadway. So you're a San Francisco native. I am. I was not a star on Broadway. I was a dancer singer. You're exaggerating slightly, but thank you very much. Ramon, (laughs) do you know how many people never go to one audition? So to me, you're a star because. Okay, I'll accept that. In the performing world, you know that it's a journey and you know that it's a tough journey where once a job ends, we are back at square one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So for you to have the career that you have, in my eyes, you are a star and you're dancing. Come on. You, you know, you can dance. Come on. (laughs) Again, thank you very much. Let's start at the beginning though. San Francisco, your mother puts you in ballet class. Did she put you in class because you were very physically active? My two older sisters were taking ballet and I would go with my mother to the ballet school to pick them up and see their performances, things like that. And one day we get this letter from the director of the company in the school. Her name was um, Miss Lenova. And she, and the letter says, would your little son like to take ballet lessons? Because she was always looking for boys. I was seven years old. And my mother said, you want to go? I'm like, sure, why not? Because I'd seen other boys there. I didn't think it was a boy or girl thing. I'd seen other boys and men at the studio performing. So I went. And the rest is history. I've said, I mean, I just became a dancer like right, almost immediately. You just had it like your feet, right? I had a very natural, I had very good ballet body. I put it that way. I was very turned out. I had good proportions, I had beautiful feet, all the things necessary. So it was easy, pretty relatively easy for me. Ballet technique came easy for me, I have to say. Thought into, into placement and uh, turnout. You know what I mean? I learned how to yeah. use my technique better uh, when I, as an adult. What brought you to New York City? I came to New York not to do musical theater, but to be a ballet dancer. I wanted to be a ballet dancer. And I was on scholarship at the Joffrey Ballet School. I auditioned for a lot of different companies. And no, they wouldn't really have anything to do with me, basically. because so I was way too short. And, and the girls on point towered over me. So even though I had a lot of technique, ballet technique, I wasn't really fit. It wasn't a good fit for a, a ballet company. So I got a scholarship at the Alvin Ailey School, which was the first time I'd ever taken anything other than ballet, static modern and jazz there. Yeah, that's how I got started. And then I decided I danced with different companies, little companies, including Ballet Spanico of New York. Nice. And did a lot of nutcrackers, things like that. And one day I started taking singing lessons and I thought, well, let me give this a try. And I went to an audition and I got it. The first audition I went to. What was that? It was for a Broadway show called Carmelina, Long Forgotten. We ran for two weeks in New York, although we played the Kennedy Center in D.C. before coming to New York. And, and who was the creative team behind that one? Uh, Peter Gennaro was a choreographer, someone who I adored. Not that well remembered these days, but he was a very famous dancer choreographer at the time. He was the original choreographer of Annie the Musical. Yeah, my friend Mary Jane Houdina was his assistant right, on Annie. Assistant. Yes, yes. Yeah, he was a great guy. I loved him dearly. 
And everyone uh, did. Yeah. He gave me my first job in the theater. Amazing. So once you got on that musical theater stage and you worked with a cast, did you feel like, okay, this is this is the path I want to take? Absolutely. Definitely. Even though I did never aspire to that, never did. I wanted to be a concert dancer, first a ballet dancer, but I couldn't get into a major ballet company, but I wanted sort of the big time. So I thought, let me try Broadway. And, and, and Broadway? I, yeah. I absolutely loved it. I had the best time doing Broadway shows. So let's tell the audience the Broadway shows. Okay. So Carmelita was number one. And then what came next? And how long in between the first one and the next one? It was a while. Actually, the next thing I did was... Uh, a tour of Bob Fosse's dancing. That was the next thing I did after that. And yes, uh, there is video footage of you doing 12 pirouettes <laughs> in a in a put-in. And then I love the put-in. It was a put-in, yeah. The video cameras back then were huge. So I don't know who was filming, but right after you finished that 12th revolution, you kind of <laughs> like shrug and you're just you toss your head a little bit like whatever. <laughs> I laugh so hard when I see it because everyone's just backstage and on stage putting in somebody, right? Who was going on that night? Yes. I think it was, I don't know if you know, Diana Lawrence, and I think it's Diana Lawrence. Yes. Another icon. Wow. You yeah. worked with some cool people. Yeah. So you did dancing and was, and that's being revived right now, right? Revived? With one of our former two. students. I think there's two of our former students in it. Oh, Carly and? I believe, oh gosh, I can't think of her name. And then you came back to New York when New the York. tour was over. An audition for a show called Merlin. Oh, Billy told me to ask you about Christian Slater. Christian Slater was 14 years old at the time. Or tw no, he actually wasn't even that. He was, I think it was like 12 or 13. He played and the he little, was in the show? He played the young King Arthur. He was in the show. That was like his fifth Broadway show. And he was like 12 or something. Yeah, yeah a lot of people don't realize when you have a successful career, a lot of people don't realize that some people start as very young children and they mm -hmm. put in years and years and years before they become adults. So was he yeah. nice? Was he a nice kid? Well, yeah, he was a great kid. We lived in the same building, so I would walk him home sometimes from the from after the show. Well, because New York at that time was not that we know today, right? Things were a little know. bit rough. A little rough in the <laughs> Times Square area, yes. Yeah. So after Merlin... I, I want to say one more thing. In Merlin, yes. I had the privilege and honor of working with Cheetah Rivera. She was in the show. I absolutely adored her to death. I just loved her. She was a wonderful person, great talent. She just turned 90. Yeah, she's great. That was one of my, got, my fondest memories of that time. That's You loved working with Cheetah? Absolutely. That's right, Era. Everyone does. <laughs> I got to meet her. I was doing a chorus line for Biork in Atlantic City. And uh -huh. she was in Atlantic City with Richard Montoya, Robert Montalvo. She had a nightclub act at the time in the early right. 90s. Right. John Fidelli introduced me to her backstage and I froze like a deer in the headlights. I could, she was so kind to me and so sweet. And I couldn't say one word back silent. And, and she looked at me like, girl, you're a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Many years later, I saw her on the street. She was very sweet. Came up to me. She just came up to me. She looked at me. And she said, "Look at you with that gray hair and that twelve-year-old face." She went like that. The audience doesn't see your face, but he doesn't have a wrinkle on it. He <laughs> looks like a baby. I am amazed. Like you were a dancer, very specific time in musical theater history. I think you really lucked out in terms of like where you landed in your career. You did catch also, right? But you didn't do it in the original company. You did it as a 
replacement, right? I was a replacement, yes. I was and a, you said that was a hard show. It was a very, very difficult show to do. You were you're on a number one, you're on a rigged stage, which is very hard. You're on stage most of the show, and it's very hard, very demanding choreography, and you had to do it eight times a week. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a very hard show to do, I have to say. You have to sort of figure out how you could get through the day. I thought, well, I can't do this much physical activity during the day because I have to go do the show at night. I never had that predicament. Right, really, in my career, except for doing that show. A lot of people, that's really after that show, that show was it for them, basically. It like it career. burned. It yes. their careers, yeah. Yeah. And do you think that's because of the choreography? I think it's a combination of things. One of them is I'm big on warming up and a lot of people are not big on warming up even a lot of our dance even a lot of our students they don't warm up and i think that's why i've had longevity because i've taken care of my body i used to warm up before every single show every single really important for the audience to hear because i too would see people in my shows roll in at half hour and i know that they didn't take class before i there's something in me that just loves a ballet bar you you feel like you're on your leg and you feel like you feel your center. Even if it's not a ballet bar, something stretching. Now let's talk about Jerome Robbins Broadway. This is a big one. Well, I want to say also... Uh, uh, the next one I did was Song and Dance. I forgot about Song and Dance. And I lo- I loved that show and that, had a co-worker, Greg Burge. I just want to uh, mention yeah. him. Yeah, he, he was a good guy. I liked him very much. He was a good guy. And I was a little... Talented. So, super you know talented. Phil Black, right? Phil Black yes. used to teach class from yeah. 2 to 4 at Broadway Dance Center Monday to Friday. And Michelle Hart Haviland, who is our boss right now at school, she was in that class and Greg Burge would take that class. Uh Do you know how kind he was to all of the younger little nobodies like me? I would go and I would get off the floor and he'd be on the side and walk past him and he would say, that was good. Good job. He was kind. And then he would go out there Kill it beyond. Yeah, he was a fabulous dancer. He really was a wonderful dancer and a good guy. And I brought, I want a big song and dance up again because I, again, I had the privilege and honor of working with the big star, Bernadette Peters, who also I adored. She was the sweetest thing. And uh, both Cheetah and Bernadette were such pros. That's what I liked about them. Real, real professionals. Let me ask you this question What do you think makes a real star? like a real honest to God, bright, shining, beautiful star like them? Like what is, is it humility? Is it security in their talent? Wow. That's a good question because I think you could be a star and still be a jerk. I think that's why I'm asking this because I've known a couple of stars. They were stars and wonderful people. They are stars and wonderful people. They still are. I would have my saying were, but they're really nice people. They treated us wonderfully. All the, you know, the dancers and the singers, they were really kind to us. And I, I just learned so much just by observing them, just by observing them. You just learn so much. And they're, they were just so, you know, how you do it like 10 out of 12s and they could have each had their understudy stand there, but no, they didn't do it. They stood there themselves, did all that, you know, lighting. And I heard that Cheetah awesome. used to wash her own tights because she said, why should somebody else wash my dirty tights? I can wash <laughs> my own tights. I heard that. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I don't, I've never heard but that. But it sounds like a cheetah thing. Like she is so grounded. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I never heard that story, but she's so humble, so grounded, both of them. I just adore The costumes in Song and Dance are so quintessential 80s. I love looking <laughs> at the pictures. I you just know, love that not, big shoulders. Yeah. They were designed warmers. by Willa Kim. Oh, uh, designed Bob Fosse's dancing originally. 
And at this moment, there is an exhibit of her work at the public library at Lincoln Center. Oh, that's yeah. awesome to hear that. Thank you for that. Did Song and Dance, it didn't run very long, right? No, it ran a while, like a year or something. Yeah, yeah. I just, I love yeah. the cast album. The first act was Bernadette Peters by herself. The second act was the dance, no Bernadette Peters. And we didn't sing. So it was literally song and dance, literally. That's a crazy concept. Who choreographed that one? Peter Martins. Uh, I was going to say that. I was going to say Ballet. that. New City Ballet, yeah. Okay, so you got a job that you rehearsed for six months before six months. the first show. It was six called months. Jerome Robbins Broadway, and it was a retrospective of all the Broadway shows. And you were a swing, right? And you I was said, a swing. you told me once you were about 35 at the time, although in the pictures you looked 14. <laughs> So what was it? How many roles did you have to cover? Let me say this. After Jerome Rahm's Broadway, Equity came in and changed the rules about how many swings, how many tracks, uh, tracks a swing can cover. Literally, it's supposed to cover everything and everybody. And there was, there was 50, 5-0 people in the show, 50. And there was about 14 swings. And so, you had to cover all the tracks, the male tracks. Sort of, initially they said, oh, just learn these tracks. But in an emergency, you're on for anything. You know that. You yeah, know, of course. Anything, yeah. So you really had to know like pretty much the whole show. We had to cover a lot of tracks. There was, because um, every, it was all production numbers pretty much. Yeah. So every number had, you know, what's that story? The King and I, uh, Peter Pan, uh, Fiddle on the Roof, on the town. It was just all the production numbers from these shows. Big, big numbers. Big production numbers. So we would average, literally average eight people out a night eight people out a night. And sometimes there weren't enough swings to go on. They'd have to cut things. There were so many people out all the time. How long did that show run? I, we rehearsed for six months. It ran for a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if they recouped their investment, the producers. Well, I don't know. It went on tour afterwards. They might have on the tour. I don't, I don't know if they did because my understanding was that they were paying out so much in royalties to each, the London Bernstein, Stephen Sondheim, Theoni Aldridge, every costume designer, every um, lighting designer, every scenic designer was getting royalties. So, it was, and plus there were 65 and 64 people in the show. <clears throat> it was very expensive. So I, don't I don't think you would even have that these days. I think no. that that would be, especially with the way everything's been cut down. Plus you had a full orchestra, didn't you? Like oh, yeah. full, yeah. yeah. You can't really do that show without a full orchestra. Well, what was the, what's the most memorable experience you have of working with Mr. Robbins? I understand he was a difficult man. He was uh, difficult. Brilliant, huh? Very difficult, although brilliant, yes. Yeah, but how was he difficult? Was he just d demanding? Was he, was he very I, sharp with his words? Um, we'd heard stories about how difficult he could be. There are famous stories for, yes. for in his past shows and in New York City Ballet. In the first two months of rehearsal, we were all saying, he's so nice. What is, you know, what was everyone talking about? He's like, so nice. And then one day, boom, he lowered the boom. And we were like, oh, I get it. We get it now. Now we get it. He just flipped one day. And I, and I, in retrospect, I think he was sort of lulling us into a false sense of um, serenity, you know, <laughs> I think I could be wrong, but I, I think also he was brilliant. I would not have missed it for the world, but it was difficult, but he would, um, I find that he was often, he would take it out on us. He was really mad, upset with himself. He's trying to work something out. It wasn't really working. He would take it out on the cast. That's my take on it. Yeah. Be wrong. And he wanted perfection. 
nothing wrong with that, you know? Yeah. And he was very, he could be very difficult. What, what's your biggest takeaway of working with him? Like if you had he, to take away one little nugget. Absolutely brilliant director. Brilliant, brilliant director. I used to, because I was a swing, I was in sitting in on a lot of different rehearsals. And just to watch him do stuff, it was, it was astounding. He would imitate people who show you, he would do a character for you. He would tell these outrageous stories about Mary Martins and Jeremiah, all these people, you know. And we had a, another great thing about the rehearsal process was we had all these stars come to watch our rehearsals. Bernard Bernstein was there. Stephen Sondheim was there. Mary Martin came. Claudette Colbert came because she was a friend of his. She was an old movie star that people probably don't remember anymore, but. Yeah, I know who she is. Uh, Rizhnikov came. I can't even remember anymore. It was, and we had the, a lot of the original cast come from all the shows we did. A lot of people would come and watch rehearsals and give us notes, things like that. Amazing. It was really an incredible experience, the whole thing. I'm so glad that I'm getting to talk to you about this because these people are not with us anymore and you got to work with them. How incredible. You yeah. ever work with Michael Bennett? I never did. No, I never did a chorus line. That's one thing I regret and missed out on in my career. I never did. You a just chorus. didn't go to the auditions or? No, I did. Just... I just forgot. I just forgot. I don't know why I just never got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Whoa. So after Jerome Robbins Broadway, then what show? did you do most happy fella yes and interesting story about that is when i did carmelina that was choreographed by peter Gennaro, my first show his daughter was in the show liza Gennaro. we became yes. she choreographed the most happy fella which was my last broadway show so i was like bookend by the Gennaro family that's cool yeah it was very cool and she choreographed most happy fella which was my last broadway, the last broadway show i did I've heard wonderful things about her as well. Yeah, she's great. She's great. And you're still friends, right? Yeah, I haven't seen her, talked to her in a long time, but... What made you decide, okay, I'm going to stop performing and go into teaching? Were you just... Did you feel like you satisfied what you want to satisfy? Like, what what made you decide, okay, like, enough is enough? That's a good way to put it. I satisfied what I want to satisfy. I felt like I'd done it. I really got tired of auditioning and putting myself out there for people to judge. That's when I really got tired of. Like, I don't care what you think about me anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and then also, I would go to an audition and I had no respect for the choreography, choreographers. When you're young, yeah. you want a job, you'll do anything. But I started thinking, I don't really like this choreography that I'm, you know, even though I did not look that old, I was getting older. And I didn't really want, to, I just didn't want to do it anymore. The thrill was gone. I put it that way. Yeah. I loved, loved, loved doing shows and being on Broadway. I absolutely loved it. But the thrill was gone. And it takes, you have to be really committed, obviously, and, and to pursue it. And I've lost that somewhat. So I decided, mm, I've had enough. I didn't want to audition anymore. I didn't know, maybe know if I wanted to do eight shows a week anymore. You know, like, you it's know, a it's lot. A, it's a lot. You know, you've done it. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. When I worked in Berlin, we did six shows. No, so we didn't do any matinees. And I got to tell you, big difference. <laughs> you could say big your difference. Yeah. yeah. And big difference in lifestyle, too. Yeah. Like, you, yeah you have a life. You, you have, have a life. life. <laughs> yeah. What I wanted to ask you now is what gives you the most joy? You, you told me once that you love running rehearsals. And do you enjoy passing on all your information that's stored in your body? Do you feel like that's something I personally feel a responsibility to do it just because people were so kind to me? I feel like it's stored in my body. And before I die, I got to like, get it out and get it into the next set of people. So how do you feel about what you do now? I 
could not agree more with you. And the, interestingly, um, when I was young, I didn't enjoy the rehearsal process. I just wanted to get on stage and dance. I would learn something, but I didn't. But now I love the rehearsal process. But not now that I'm running it. <laughs> now that I'm running the rehearsal, <laughs> I love it. Passing it on, making sure it's clean, passing on my knowledge that I picked up from all my years you know, performing. And I absolutely love it. I love running. We have this, uh, you know, work, we have this dance workshop and I'm in the director. I love, yeah, I love that. I love auditioning the kids. I love mixing that they do a good job and we have good on, put on a good show at the end of the semester. So yeah, passing on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you like going to see shows? Do you like going to dance concerts? Do, is that something you love doing? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like seeing shows too, but what I don't like are before COVID, the crowds, you know, when the Broadway show is getting ready to start, like, I don't like the crowds. I <laughs> much would, I would prefer to go to like a, a rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, when yeah. I, Lamont invited me to his white Christmas final dress or no, it wasn't a dress final rehearsal. And I like that. I like being still in the studio watching something, yeah. even without the costumes. Yeah. The good thing about that is the uh, that audience is filled with theater people. Yeah. So they behave, number one, and they're really in, invested in what's about, we're about to see, which isn't always the case. If you go see something called, and now you go there and there's people that they think throughout the circus eating and drinking up their seats, driving bananas. The etiquette, the audience etiquette. And I see it, you know, starting at dance recitals and starting at dance competitions. Because I'm in that world a little bit, but just audience etiquette overall. But it's the same as airport etiquette, you know, like people dress in their pajamas at the airport and don't even get me started. But um, (laughs) (laughs) one thing I love about working with you is I love just laughing in the teacher's lounge. I, I always mistakenly call the teacher's lounge the dressing room because it feels like a dressing room. That's one thing that I have to admit I miss about be doing shows, the dressing room. Any show you're in, even if you don't have to show, you have a ball in the dressing room. It's so much fun. You just laugh and carry on. Just laugh. Like, and, you're right. The lounge is like the dressing room. You're right. And it's fun. And, you know, the dressing room, so the, the backstage show to me is almost better than I love being on stage but what happens backstage is almost because no one sees it but the people who are doing it and if you try to explain it to people it doesn't make sense but it's like a magic that happens getting back to cast which I did not enjoy doing love the cast love being backstage with them you know yeah one of my best friends is still um from uh, one of my best friends i did catch with all those years ago before i let you go and i do i respect your time and i just i'm so grateful we had this moment to chat what do you have a special memory just one something that sticks out in your mind as wow this was an amazing moment in my career do you have something like that that you always cherish Probably there's so many, and it's hard to like pick a moment when you're doing eight shows a week. <laughs> but doing Bob Fosse's dancing on tour, we went to San Francisco, and I'm wow. from San Francisco. And almost every show there, I, I knew someone in the audience, either a family member or, or a friend, someone that I knew, just about literally every single show. That was really so. I tried to like show them what I what I was doing, what I could do, you know. And I had a featured part in the show. I was very very much featured in that show, that production. So that was really exciting and very memorable for me. Did you enjoy working with Mr. Fossey? I never worked with Mr. Fossey, unfortunately, because I was a replacement in dancing. 
I was okay. not original. I was not in the original tour. So you I got put in by the dance it. captain. Yes. I didn't even audition. No, by the, um, I was put in by the dance captain of the Broadway company. She put me in because she was sort of running the show, but I was, did not even audition for the original tour. I don't even know why, but then I just months later auditioned and I got it. But I, so I never actually got to work with Fosse himself. Unfortunately, wow. I, I got to work with Gwen Vernon, but I never got to meet Mr. Fosse. And that was a big dream, but it's okay. I got to work with the late Ann Ranking. I came later than you. So I missed out. Michael Bennett had passed, but mm-hmm. I got to work with Bjork. I got to work with Mitzi. So it's it's funny. I got to work with people that were under those people that you right, got yeah. to work with. It's cool. Yeah. I just think you're super talented. I Thank hope you, you so never much. retire. <laughs> so thoughts about retirement. Are you thinking about, because we've, we've talked about this too. Our late, great Harry Wolliver passed away at the age of 90 and he worked right up until the day he died practically. And we've talked about how we want some time before, you know, what do you think about, are you thinking about it? I am thinking about it. I used to think, well, Harry did it. I can do it. No, Harry was special. I just, I'm physically cannot do it. What I used to do. And I think that, although I've loved, I've loved teaching, I've loved choreographing. I think it's time soon to sort of, you know, leave it while I'm, you know, and physically, I'm beginning to feel things physically, you know. Okay. I also think that this consumes, this consumes us, this dancing. For me, it's like, I've tried to quit dancing a few times and go into other parts of show business. And Uh, it's like, there's something grabbing me. It's like the Godfather three, when he goes, you tried to push me out and you pull me back in in. or whatever that line is, you know, it's like, I can't, I can't quit it. I don't know why it's cellular. In my opinion, it's like in my marrow. How old were you when you started dancing? Started six years old when I started taking class. we, We don't know life other than as a dancer. Yeah. You don't know life. So that's how you identify. That's how you define yourself. It's hard to get that. Yeah. And my parents are dancers. They, they are not professional, but any party or even daily, like daily in the house, they were dancing. My dad was this really great dancer. Yeah. And they they met at a dance. So any party, all the men in my neighborhood were dancers too. Like it was pretty cool to be a little kid and everyone is up. There was always a dance floor at a barbecue or a party. Like that was a given. There was tables to sit and eat, but then there's always a space to dance. So it's like, it's, that's how I was raised. And I just, I just would love to not be obsessed with it a little bit. That would <laughs> be- <laughs> what were you, you're going to go back to San Francisco and be with your family and have fun and just that's enjoy some time. Goal. I want to okay. yeah, retire back to the Bay Area. Yeah. Which is a beautiful part of the United States. Yeah, it's great. It's really, and I go back all the time, really. So, you know, good. Family there. So, well, you are much loved in New York City. You've got well, many friends, thank you many very colleagues. Much. No, we like you are. If your name comes up in any conversation, everyone is like, oh my God. Because you, like, we, this is to go back to the beginning of our conversation. A star is someone who knows how to treat other people, and you do. So, there you go. Thank you very much. Here we are, folks, at the end of season three. I can't believe it. 
we have had so many interviews with such fabulous people in the industry, people who love vintage. I'm so excited for the summer coming up, summer of 2023. I wish you all the best in health. I will see you next season. See you in September, as they say, with season four. Thank you so much. I'm sending you all lots of love. The Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast has original music composed by Joshua Holloway. Find him on YouTube, Joshua Holloway Music. This podcast is written by Michelle Bruckner and edited by Michelle Bruckner and Joshua Holloway. Find me on Instagram, Showgirl Tip of Day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Oh,